All right, Faith Promise. How are we doing this weekend? Come on. Come on. Hey, guys, my name is Zach Steve. I'm a global student pastor. It's an honor to be with you guys this weekend at all 10 locations. We are so excited to have you, so excited about what God's doing. You just saw uh, on FPTV the promos for, for our next generation. Can I just encourage you, do not miss those. Uh, if you are a parent of uh, somebody in FP Kids or an FP Students, you cannot, cannot, cannot miss FP Kids Camp or Movement. I, I love that I have a four-year-old daughter who, who is already figuring out what small groups are, already talking about Bible verse. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I, and as, as I was processing through how I want to just put this out there to you in such a way where hopefully you grab a hold of it, is I really do not believe there's a better ROI, that there's a better return on investment than investing our time, our energy, and even our finances into the next generation. Because the future is bright of faith promise. Amen. Come on. This could be good. It's good. So if, if you're a parent, guy, if you're a student, you, you cannot miss it. It's going to be so, so special. I, I, I've been at Faith Promise that since, since the beginning. I've, I've grown up at Faith Promise. And i got to tell you, I, I am as excited as I've ever been uh, standing up on this stage this weekend. We've had Fusion Weekend this weekend. We've had uh, over 1,000 students and adult students and leaders uh, all weekend. You know, we're not sleeping a whole lot. So if I said something up here crazy, just forgive me, okay? Uh, but we, we've had 1,000-plus a, a students and adults all together worshiping, screaming, praying, pursuing after God. Amen. Somebody's got it. Somebody's got it in some campus. Amen. That's incredible. That's incredible. We've done more ministry this weekend than so many you'll see in years and years. And we do not want to take that for granted. God is doing something special at Faith Promise Church. The, the, the future of our church, the future of the Big C Church, the, the worldwide church, and God's kingdom have never been brighter. Despite what the world may tell us, despite what circumstances may tell us, it has never been brighter. I'm so excited about what God's going to do and how our church at Alton Location are going to affect the impact of the kingdom. And can I just take a second, before we get into what God has for us this weekend, can I just take a second and thank you from the bottom of my heart for your generosity, for your investment. Uh, it, it may come as a shock to you that the students don't tie the whole lot, okay? Um, and by a whole lot, we just break stuff. We definitely cause the church money. There's no question, okay? But you guys are so, so giving and so generous, not only with your finances, whenever you give and you tithe, but also with your time. With your talents, we've got hundreds of host homes this weekend who let even sixth grade boys into their house, right? Inside. I have a backyard they could stay in. I'm not letting them stay in my house, right? It's, it's, been, it's been unbelievable. God is so good. And I really do believe that God is going to honor our faithfulness. That we are going to see a, a, a harvest out of this generation like the one that we have never seen. So I pray that God raises our expectancy this weekend at all campuses as you see hundreds of students pour in and get excited and lift their hands. Just remember, those are students who could be anywhere doing anything. And a thousand plus chose to be at, at church all weekend praising God. Just one more time at all camps. Let's give God some praise for that. Crazy, crazy. So good. So I'd just like to take a second. I'd like to tell you the, the mission statement for FP students. Let's put up the mission statement for FP students. FP students exist to help real people with real problems find real love. Does that sound familiar? That's right. Because we are one church. We are one church. FP students, we do not do anything differently than, 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 than big church. Right? 
We, we come together, Epi students, our deepest desire is to be the battery for this. What we hope is we hope to plug in our passion with the wisdom of the earlier generation and for us to see an absolute move of God. We do not do silos at Faith Promise Church. We're not trying to build a big student ministry because there's an expiration date on student ministry, right? That's why we hire 19-year-olds. That's why we take chances on young adults because this right here is our vision from FP kids all the way to adults. We exist to help real people with real problems find real. Can you imagine when these FP kids come through FP students and they sit in the seats you're in now, they sit beside you and, and you've been sowing into them with your generosity for decades and this is all they know and they fight for this with every fabric of their being. I just think it's special. That we get to live in such a place, that we get to do church in such a place, that we get to do our mission in such a place with such clarity of vision. I think it's unbelievable. So again, we've been doing Fusion Weekend uh, with a thousand plus people coming together, pulling the same way, begging God to move. And so what we did as FP students is we jumped off our theme verse for the year, right? We all share the same theme verse in Isaiah 43. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. There's so much power in this verse, guys. We could read this every day and get something new. Right, how many of us, if we could stop pondering the things of the past, life would be a little better. Right, amen. All right, so behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Gosh, I, I have just been begging God that we would not miss him as he moves this weekend. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. That's where we camped out at Fusion Weekend, a roadway in the wilderness. Now, whenever you, whenever you uh, take the definition of this word wilderness, it comes out to be darkness. It comes out to be darkness. And, and don't wouldn't we all agree that we are born, that our world is in, in an intense wilderness. That there is a shroud, there is a, there is a, a palpable, a weighted darkness on us. Open, turn on the TV, seeing school shootings, seeing earthquakes, seeing these things. There is a wilderness, a darkness that we're facing. But I believe that God wants us to lean into it. Not talk about it, not notice it, but lean into it. And that's what we talked about with our next generation. That's what we talked about. That's what we would like to talk about this weekend. But let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm not a wilderness kind of guy, spiritually, right, or, or, or physically. I'm not, I'm, I don't like wilderness very much. I'll tell you why. Uh, I was, I, I was uh, um, just scarred a bit when I was younger. I was 11. Uh, I, was, I was weighed about the same, but I was a bit this tall. So it was just a, it was a very round situation, okay. And I was camping with my brother, my cousin, and my uncle. Have you ever been in a situation where you looked around and realized, these people don't care about me? You ever looked around and said, they don't have my best interest at heart? That, was, that, that were these humans, okay? I was concerned, and I knew if, if evolution kicked in survival of the fittest, I wasn't going to make it. They were going to eat me first. I was tender, all right? I'd been like Kobe beef, all right? They would eat me. I remember... I remember sitting around the campfire, and, and I, I, they are telling stories, guys. I am getting scared. I am pounding colas, right? Mom's not there, so I'm just, if I'm going to die, right, I'm a, I've had about 17 s'mores at this point, right? I'm going crazy. And I remember being so scared that I, I pull, my, pull my knees up in my big oversized shirt, just hoping that when the monster comes out of the darkness to eat me, it gets me in one just bite. I'm terrified. The last story of the night, my uncle, Uncle Tommy, Uncle Tommy, I'm bigger than you now, brother. He's way to find you. Uncle Tommy told the story, old green eyes. He had you, oh, did you feel it wash over you at all our campuses? Old green eyes. 
It was this old soldier that would come out in the woods and that would take little kids and eat them. Yeah! Uncle Tom is a terrible person. I hope you see this. Right? I was so scared. We go to bed that night. We're all in one tent. I don't, I don't zip my sleeping bag up so that if I hear green eyes, I can start getting away first. And if you say, Zach, would you wake them up? No, I would not. If I had the opportunity, I would tie their sleeping bag shut so that green eyes could eat all three of them like burritos and I could waddle off to victory, right? That would be just, just epic. That, that would be my desire. But, 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 so, but I drank all those colas, right? It was night, just colas. The tinkle, right? Yeah. I wasn't going outside. That's where green eyes was. So I unzipped the tent just enough to... Um, to out there, right? Again, guys, not a lot of sleep. So I, out there, I get it out there. I wake up four times that night, right out there. Personally, in retrospect, I was building a moat to protect us. And uh, so here's what happened. I, do, I go to the bathroom, and then I'm, and I'm sleeping again, and I'm a mouth breather. You know those people, right? You, you slept by a guy like me. <gasps> right? I'm, I'm sucking the air in. And I was having nightmares that Green Eyes was eating me once again because my uncle's a terrible person, okay? If you walk away this weekend, we're fighting the darkness, and Uncle Tommy's a bad guy, okay? So, but, but, so I'm, I'm having these nightmares. And apparently, I'm breathing with such veracity that I've sucked the air out of the tent. No joke. They all said they woke up and they couldn't breathe. So I wake up, them all going, ah, and I, so I'm like, ah, it's green eyes. All right, so I'm freaking out. And, then, and so they all run, they're all, they're all like stampeding out, and I hear splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splash. And I'm like, ah, it's green eyes. So I'm freaking out. And they're like, what's all this water? And I'm like, it's green eyes, I don't know. And so I don't like the wilderness, okay? I don't like to camp. <clears throat> the wilderness is no good. Wilderness is no good. See, here, essentially, let's just break it down to this. The wilderness is going without something that you need. All right, so just an easy definition for us to be able to uh, explain. I mean, it, that works for camping. It also works for where we're going spiritually this weekend. The wilderness is going without something that you need. And the more committed you are to the wilderness, the less that you take that you might need. Right? So if you're really committed at, to camping or whatever, you may only take toilet paper. If you're not taking toilet paper, you start a forest camp or something. That's weird. Okay, so, or maybe maybe you only take food. If you're taking an RV, you're not camping, okay? You're fooling yourself. Just stay home. You can't take your house and call it camping. That's neither here nor there. Okay, so, but we are born into a spiritual wilderness. We're born into a spiritual wilderness. King David, in Psalm 51, he actually says that he was, he, he was born a sinful person from his very conception. He was a sinful person. Romans, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were born into a sinful place. We were born into a wilderness. We see that. We know that. We know that about ourselves, right? Who do you know that's thought worse things than you? Who do you know that said worse things about you, about, about the people that you love, that care about them, than you? Right? If, if people knew the things that I thought, I know that I wouldn't have anybody who loved me, anybody who cares about me. Only the one who could put up with that kind of darkness and still love me would be God. Right? But as the church, as the world, as believers look out into the world and they see this wilderness, they see this darkness, and, and we, we tend to shy away from it. But I really don't believe that's what, that that's what God is calling us to do. 
I think God is calling us to press into that tension. I think God is calling us to take the light that he has put inside of us because God says he is the light, he is the way. And he's put that inside us for us to go out. I think that God wants us to take ownership. That's why we had this session at Fusion, and it is, it is I'm telling you, the, the devil will feel a ripple effect from this session where we talked about the world is not getting darker, believers are getting dimmer. War, the world, this right here, guys, we need to let this be tattooed on our eyelids. The world is not getting darker, believers are getting dimmer. And maybe, maybe you're older and maybe you've seen, oh, the world's getting darker. No, the sins were the same. It was still fornication, it was still greed, it was still anger, it was still hatred, it was still racism. But we've let it get worse. And by we, I'm not talking about the world. They don't know any better. I'm talking about believers. We have to refuse to get dim. Have you ever flipped on a flashlight and watched the darkness try to fight the light away? It can't. Have you ever flipped the lights on and see and saw the darkness try to push you up against that light bulb? It can't. See, darkness by its very definition is just the absence of light. And the world, they, they may say, hey, I don't, I don't want your Jesus, I don't want your church. You leave that at church, this isn't the real world, until, re, until strategy strikes, right? Then they ask, hey, where is, where's God in all this? Where's God in all this? If you ask agnostics, if you ask atheists, hey, what, what, would, what would it take for you to believe, which is a phenomenal question to ask, by the way. Hey, what would it take for you to believe? They're going to say what most people say, what most of us say. I just want to see some evidence. And guys, the evidence that they should see, the evidence that they should experience in their life is us. The light that they should feel, the lights that they should see is us. And that, faith promise, is why we do small groups. That's why we have a value that we grow together, a value that we tell them of him. Last week in this series called This Is Group, Pastor Kyle talked about our first two groups. He talked about our first two types of group in embrace and engage. Embrace groups is where you take something that you love and you embrace it, right? I've got a workout group, uh, right? I, I don't love them most of the time, but I go. Uh, we've turned that into an embrace group, right? We like to work out together. Uh, also engage whenever you're engaging the world around. Because, again, uh, engaging people around you. Because our value, one of our values is that we grow together. And it's my absolute honor to talk about two more groups. Two more groups. And Pastor Kyle, I'm so grateful. Who, Again, if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to get on the app or get on the website and watch it. It's so, so good. But I, I, I want to talk about two more groups that we have here. Two more groups that, oh my gosh, he, he saved them for me. They're the ones that light my fire, that motivate me so much. Let's talk about two different kind of groups we have. And I, I just, can I just take a second and pray right now? Because I think God wants to put an anointing on us in these groups. I think that God wants to, I know that God wants to change the world through groups. You know, you may wonder, hey God, why don't you part the Red Sea again? Why don't you, why don't you send manna? Why don't you do this? And every time we do that, I pray that we remember, hey, I did something better. I brought you from death to life so that you could do that. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? So let's take a moment. At all of our camps, let's pray that God would seal this work in us. God, right now we come before you as we talk about groups, as we talk about iron sharpens iron, as we talk about expanding, as we talk about encountering you. God, I pray that you would take this to a supernatural level. Take it far beyond our notes. Take it far beyond our worship, God, and do something inside of us. Devil, you have no authority here. You cannot stop God's word. It never returns void. The lies and the doubts and the rumors that you've placed in God's people, they do not have authority there. They do not have power there. So, God, I pray that you would uproot those. 
those. God, I pray that there would be freedom this weekend, not just for us, but for everybody that we walk with. I pray that we are conduits for your kingdom as we go out, as, as we start groups, as we encounter you and bring other people along with us, as we expand your kingdom, as we fight for what you've called us to do. God, I pray, God, that your kingdom come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven through promisers, through faith promise. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I I've, I I, I want to cover these with us, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to hustle because I, I got excited. Um, and, but I want to I want to talk about this stuff. The first group type of group that I want I want us to cover today are encounter groups. Now, the definition of an encounter group: encounter groups help us grow together through the study of God's word and prayer. It's maybe what you originally think of whenever you think of small groups. And guys, we have to we have to do this. In a dark world, in the shade that we feel, right? How often do you leave, or you leave motivated by Pastor Chris, who is phenomenal, and he reaches down inside us spiritually and flips this light switch on, but then something happens with our wife or our husband on the way home or our kids or at work, and we feel that darkness creeping back in, and we feel our motivation to do supernatural work. We feel that starting to fade. This is why we have to stay plugged into the power source. This is why we have to encounter God. When we encounter God, we find our true north again. But you may be wondering, Zach, why do I need to do this inside small group? Right? Why, 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 should I, why do I have to do, encounter God in a group? I can, I can pray. I can, I, can, I can read a Bible my, myself without having to give up another night of my week. Well, we're better together. We are brighter together. We can do more together. Not only are we brighter together because our lights are coming together, but we're brighter together because we spur each other on to do more. We spur each other on to fight harder. It's, it's more fun to win together. And can I just tell you this? If you're the kind of person who you can read your Bible and you can pray and you have the discipline to grow, you shouldn't be in an encounter group. You should be leading an encounter group. Right? There's a reason that God gave you that. Right? Amen. Come on. Let's, if we're going to give God praise, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and do it. That's, that's, why, we, that's why we did it. That's, that's why God gave you that. That's why God put that inside of you. Listen, being plugged into the power source, that's the difference between a bright faith and a brittle faith. See, a light bulb, if it's not plugged into the power source, right, you're always, you're constantly scared it's going to break. Right, if you drop a box of light bulbs right at the grocery store, you put that right back in, you grab a new one, don't you? Because all those are busted, right? It's the difference between a bright faith and a brittle faith, but whenever you plug it in to its light source, they don't get broken up there, they just get used up there. They don't get broken up there. They, they just shine the light. So when we plug ourselves in the power source, we, we, we take uh, what, what, what we're so scared of being broken and being hurt, and instead we help others not be that. That is what God has called us to do. We have to encounter God and bring others along. So let me ask you, do you have a bright faith or do you have a brittle faith? As a church, are we a bright church or are we a brittle church? Because I can tell you what this world needs. This world needs a bright faith. That's why we have to encounter God. This, these groups, I've been in since I was an FP student. Th these are the groups that help me overcome pornography. These are the groups that help me understand who God is in my life. Whenever I was beaten down by guilt, when I thought that God didn't love me, all these things, I have a phenomenal mom and dad, the best mom and dad I could ever imagine. I, I, I get that. But, but these this groups have been a game changer for me. There's another kind of group, and this, this one just gets me so pumped. So first one is the encounter group. The next one I want to talk about is expand groups. The definition of expand groups are focuses on making disciples who make disciples. 
Folks, I'm making disciples who make disciples. Now, this is special. This is special right here. Right, so, so let's think, think about it this way. Making lights who make lights. Because we want more lights. We need this world to get brighter. We need more people to be able to find their way out of the wilderness. Making disciples who make disciples. This is huge. And if you think this is just for pastors, right, or just for people who are, who are spiritual, just monsters, that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. If you have been made a disciple by Jesus, then you have inherited, you have become a disciple maker. If God made you into a disciple, it was for the purpose, number one, so you could be in relationship with him, and number two, so you can make disciples. The reason that maybe he brought you out of the wilderness slower than you wish he did was so that you knew the path to bring other people out of that same wilderness. That's, that's who God has called us to be. We are called to make disciples. I don't care who you are or where you've been. We all feel inadequate. We all feel inadequate. You think I feel like I should be up here talking to you? No. Not in the slightest. But I can get out of bed and I do my best. I know that if I bring my lunch like the boy brought his lunch that fed the 5,000, that God could do something miraculous even though I think my lunch is garbage. But in God's hands, the garbage, the trash becomes treasure. Can I get an amen, faith promise? It's good. It's good. So let me, let me tell you this. And, and let, me, let me preface this where this could, this could offend people. And please don't let the enemy twist on what to say. I have the highest regard for our police force. Uh, me and my daughter, when she asks who those people are with the matching uniforms, you can ask our officers here. I always tell her those are heroes. That's who they are. Uh, we have a high respect at Faith Promise, uh, my family, for our police force. So please don't let what I'm about to talk about for a moment skew that view. It's just not true. Uh, we have a high honor, and we're so grateful. But I was actually at my Embrace group uh, Tuesday, and we were working out. And I looked up at the monitors, and uh, I was looking. They were, they were talking about the, the Parkland shooting. And it talked about there were four officers who were outside who never went inside. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know all the backstory. I, I don't know all that stuff. I don't care what the, the, the president says or anybody says about it. That hit me hard. Because I've, I've, I've been, I, to be honest with you, man, I, I love my daughter. And she goes to school next year. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a weird thing. I've had some, I've had some trepidation. I've had some, some fears thinking about sending her out there. What, what's that going to look like? And then I thought about these officers, and I, and I can't imagine the, the, the space they were in and where they are and how they were feeling. They were thinking about their families. I just can't imagine. But, you know, I, I, I just, God just took me right there and said, hey, Zach, what about, what about, because the, the human nature, like, why? Why would you not go in? Why would you not help? And then, but that's the victim mentality. That's the blaming mentality. And God said, Zach, remember, you're talking about being the owner this weekend. And I thought about all the people who are trained, who are equipped, and who have all that we need to go into the wilderness of the world and bring people out. But we sit. And we don't move. And we don't go after them. And I, and I, I, I don't want to answer for that. I, don't, um, I, I think about, I was watching interviews of those parents and stuff who lost kids. And I can't imagine that. But man... There's something way worse than school shootings happening every day. And that's friends and families locally who are going to hell and dying. Does that make sense? 
God has equipped us, and maybe, maybe you're not, you don't think you're equipped, but hear me. If you know Jesus, if you made a decision to follow him, you're as equipped as you need to be to encounter God and to expand his kingdom. You have all you need. That boy brought two fishes and loaves and fed probably 20,000 people because he put his lunch in Jesus' hands. But what's the why? As, as people, as humans, we have to start with the why. Why would we do that? Why would we risk that? Why would we, why would we step out into that? The reason that we would do that is because Jesus came and did it for us. Because Jesus came and did it for us. Now, I, I want to tell you this. What I'm about to tell you is pretty heavy. And I'm about to do it pretty quick. So lean in. Don't, don't miss this. See, before Jesus came, it was all about the rituals. Before Jesus came, actually, if you're in the Bible reading plan with us, you're in Leviticus right there with me, and we are trudging along, aren't we? Right? Guys, ball, Lord, bring on Mark, right? Um, and, uh, but as, as I've been praying and processing, God brought this to my attention I wanted to share with you. In Leviticus 16, there's a ritual called the Day of Atonement. And in this ritual, there's, there's two goats that, are, that participate. And first, there's the goat that has to be slaughtered. Because whenever we sin, blood has to be shed to cover that sin. I know that may be hard to understand, but Romans 6.23 says the wage of sin is death, right? So when we sin, something has to pay for that sin. In, in Hebrews 9.22, it says that blood covering is essential for, sin, for things to be forgiven. So something has to die when we sin. So in this ritual, the first thing they would do is they would slaughter this goat. They would slaughter this goat, spill all of its blood. And what this was was a foreshadowing of Jesus coming. But see, when Jesus came, he took that goat's place and he made that ritual a reality. He came and took that ritual and made that ritual a relationship. See, that was a goat. And all it was was a reminder that their sins needed to be covered. But when Jesus came, he made that ritual a relationship. Groups, groups are not a ritual. Groups are relationships. Now, I, I, I promise you, you can come and sit at church every weekend. You can even tithe and give and do that stuff. But whenever you plug into a group, it starts that transition from ritual to relationship. Guys, and there's no life in a ritual. There's no, there's no freedom from the wilderness in a ritual. You can be ritual to death. The Pharisees were as rituals as it get. And today they are residing in hell. That's not what God has called us to. God has called us to a relationship. When Jesus came, it absolutely changed the game. But see, actually, even right now, if I can be so bold, there's not a whole lot of power in what I just said. Because we've grown up, we've heard a lot that Jesus died for us. And we've heard a lot that his sins came to cover our, cover our his blood came to cover our sins. But see, there's a second part, there's a second goat in this ritual that I want to tell you about that I pray that this grinds in our ministry, that this grinds in our burden and our passion and our fight to expand God's kingdom and to encounter Him. See, the second goat, what they would do, Leviticus 16, says that the, the high priest, which is a foreshadowing of God, would put his hands on that goat. And it would put, he would put all the wickedness, he would put all of the sin and all of the rebellion of the people on that goat. And they would take it and they would put it out of the wilderness. They would take it to a remote place. They would take it out where it couldn't come back, right? They would put all their sin, their rebellion, their wickedness, they would put it all on it. They would take it to a remote place out on the cliffs where it would die on its own, right? And then, and then they would just leave it there. It couldn't come back. It had to die out there. 
That's a foreshadowing of Jesus. See, when he was on the cross, his dad, God, who he had had a relationship with since the beginning of time, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, what he did was he took his hands and for the, he put all the sins, all my sins, all your sins, he put them on the head of his son. While he's on that cross, I mean, talk, talk about insult to injury while he's, while he's breathing his last. He is putting the sins of all humanity on top of Jesus. And as he breathes his last and Jesus says, it is finished. He has the weight of sin in the world just fall on him. And his father, God, has to turn his back. Because he had to send his son Jesus out into the remote place. He had to put all that sin, all that weight of the wilderness onto Jesus and send him out. Because the Son of God, Jesus, was the only one who could light his own light and come back from the wilderness. See, the goat could never do that. The goat couldn't handle the weight of the sin. It was only a ritual anyway. See, what Jesus did is Jesus took that weight, he walked it, he died, and then he came back to life. He was resurrected again because Jesus came to turn ritual into relationship, and then that relation, here's where we fall off a lot of times, that relationship into a reality. Ritual to relationship, relationship to reality. Is your walk with God a reality? Do you see it in your time, in your gifts, what God has given you, in your finances? Do you see it as a reality? Is it changing the people around you? Is it? Because in Luke 4, whenever the women went and looked for Jesus among the tomb, they went and looked for him. There's two angels that there were, they, the angels were there, and the angels said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do we so often look for the living things, look for acceptance and look for worth and, and, and look for somebody to be there for us among the dead? In this world, in the wilderness, in the darkness. Because Jesus came and handed us an opportunity for life. That's why Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will forgive you your sins. That's why he died and came back. He went into the wilderness, the remote place, and walked back to show us the way out of the wilderness. He is the way. This weekend, there's people at all of our campuses who, you've never walked that way. You've never given your life to Christ. And this is your weekend. This is your weekend not only to make the ritual a relationship, but also to make the relationship a reality with groups. And we're all going to plug into a group and we're going to make the reality so that our reality can show that other people that there's a relationship, something better than the wilderness of this world, something better than the darkness of this world, which is the kingdom of God. But first, there's some people who have never given their life to Christ. So let's do that right now. At all of our camps, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And just listen, I, don't, I, I know bad stuff has happened. I know you've messed up. I know you've blown it. But God's good always outweighs our bad. God's love is greater than the things we've done wrong. So if you want to receive this relationship, if you want to start walking with God, all you have to do is confess through your mouth, believe that he is Lord. So let's do that together. Faith promise we do not do things alone. So let's do that together. All of our campuses say, Jesus, I know you came for me. I know you died for me. I know you made a way for me to have a relationship, a way out of the wilderness, a life of light. God, I will live for you.
Because you died for me. Be my first love. I give my life to you. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for everybody who gave their life to Christ? It's fantastic. That's incredible. All of our campus pastors, if you, if you guys will make your way up, we love you guys so much. You guys have a phenomenal end of your service. Right now as we enter into our generosity portion, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine a, a, a place where my heart could feel more generous than it does right now. As I've sat in the back and watched thousands, uh, uh, over a thousand students and adults lift their hands in worship, I've been overwhelmed with gratitude. And I thought about in James where it talks about all good gifts come from the Father of lights. And I was thinking about us talking about the light and lighting our way out. And guys, it wouldn't be possible without your generosity. And our God is a generous God. In, in John 3, 16, it says, he, he so loved the Lord that He gave His only begotten Son. So we're, we're going to enter into our generosity portion. And hey, we always want to help you take your next step into generosity. If you've never gave, we would love for you to start that journey with us because we want to see this keep on happening until Jesus comes back. We want to keep on planning campuses, keep pursuing the next generation, keep on pursuing the now generation, keep on fighting for people who are alone in the wilderness. So I'm going to pray and we're going to give. If I could, if you guys, if you gave your life to Christ today, would you please fill that out in the communication card in front of you and drop in the offering as it goes by you. We want to do life with you. We want to walk out of this wilderness together. And we want to go back in and bring other people out of the wilderness. So let me pray as we prepare to give. God, right now we come before you. We're grateful. God, we love you. God, I pray that, God, that we would be so generous. God, as we open our hands up and let the supernatural into our natural. God, as we, would, as we would give, God, so that, so that you can do, God, we're grateful just the mindset to give. God, that's a supernatural thing to know that what you have and want is more important than what we want to have. God, and I pray that this money would go out, that our offering, that our tithe, God, would go out and start a revival, God, that we would be set free, chains would be broken. God, we love you so much. And it's in your matchless name we pray. Amen. Ushers, if you'll come on up, let's worship as we give.